0: Macy Gage from the Tangentialist blog digs up and discusses events and experiences from her own collaged history on having a stigmatized condition known as bipolar. She relates, reflects, and refocuses it into infectiously funny anecdotes and amusing stories that will have you in stitches. Being a roaming artist, a roaming distracted artist, that reinvents and reimagines her goals constantly, this podcast takes you down a twisting rabbit hole of icons and avenues of slightly familiar yet offbeat occurrences. Join her every other week as she delves into her own bizarre memory banks, pulling out some eccentric moments that capture the intimacy on the ups and downs of this disorder lived out in her electric days of her rebellious youth. Hey Glorious Humanoids, welcome back to the Tangentialist podcast and let's just jump right into it. So I left you last episode kind of all over the place. I I did I, I did release a really long episode and sorry for that. <laughs> I just kind of wanted to jam pack that one, but but we're going to make this one more condensed and it's going to be about uh the title which is a girlfriend in a coma. I was a girlfriend in a coma, but I didn't have like those flashbacks or I was I was seeing a, a white light or being drawn into some other consciousness or anything. There was nothing like that. I was just I was just out cold for a, a week and I don't remember anything about this this time. It's it's gone. Where whatever it was, I was in Kingston General at the beginning after my my car accident on Highway 401 in Canada. And just to sort of summarize, if anybody hasn't been listening to my episodes, but I can just quickly quickly summarize as to what actually happened I I was with my my boyfriend Jake at the time and we were going to Canada's Wonderland a nationally recognized theme park in Toronto Canada and it was the graduating school trip of my year and we were trying to be badasses, and we were gonna just get uh, a rental and and drive down there. Jake, uh, he was a drug dealer at the time, and I remember a couple of weeks before that that actual day, I remember being told that we we took a passenger with us, and this was a friend of mine from my art class, and her name was Veronica. And I remember speaking with her over the phone about what exactly happened in the car, and she said that first thing we did was we went to the beer store and we got cans of beer and as soon as she said that i said oh i don't like beer in cans and she said that's exactly what you said while we were driving down to canada's wonderland which is about a three hour drive from where we were in uh, brockville veronica said he actually had drugs in the trunk of the car and jake said he wanted to do some lines of ecstasy and could he pull over and we did pull over and he he cut up uh, a few lines of ecstasy Uh, Veronica did some of hers, and I did a bit of mine, but we didn't do much, And, and that Jake just finished all of that, and then he did his, which was a much bigger line, and he just got back on the road. My librarian from my high school was actually a few cars behind us on the highway, and she said she saw everything, and that there was no other car involved, thank goodness. Jake actually lost control of the vehicle and ran into the Meridian. The car flipped, I was found in the front seat, uh, passenger side. I was actually, I was in the in the passenger seat. Veronica said I put my feet on the dash and well, as soon as I did that, Jake said, oh, if you're going to do that, why don't you just take your seatbelt off and get in the back seat? So I did that. I got in the back seat and I didn't put my seatbelt back on. And that is when, The car hit the meridian, and then I was found under the dashboard or the glove compartment on the passenger side. I think they had to use the jaws of life to get me out, or maybe that's just a skewed memory of mine. They they took me to Kingston General. My parents, Bruce and Maureen, were called. They said that they smoked a garden of cigarettes on the drive up to Canada from Indiana, and then they came to see me, and they were there for me for, for the whole time I was in hospital. And take me for walks because uh, I was I was in a wheelchair for a while. I, I actually had a cast on my my right leg. I was there from May 23rd. That's when the accident happened, and then I wasn't aware because, uh, like I said, I was a girlfriend in a coma for a week, and that was because they gave me a, a medication that just made me go stiff as a board. Haldol, I think it was. It was sort of a sedative, but uh, it obviously just made me go into a coma. I don't know, I don't know what happened to that week, and then after that, it was just doing the different different therapies the physiotherapy occupational therapy and speech therapy because for a time I was speaking really monotone and I really didn't know I didn't really see that that, that I needed inflections in my voice and different different tones yeah I didn't I didn't realize that, that was that was a problem because I kept saying to everybody I was I was so friendly when I was in the hospital I was saying hi to everybody people I didn't know just waving at people all the time and and I really didn't see that, you know, there was really anything wrong with me. I thought, you know what, I'm fine. Why don't Why don't we just go? Let's get Let's get out of here, you know. And obviously, when I looked in the mirror and I saw my tooth was broken in half, that that was, you know, something that needed to be fixed. But I really didn't know what was going on. I mean, uh, Bruce and Warren didn't really tell me what was happening. They just they made this photo album for me, and this photo album had uh, little sort of descriptions of who. The people who were in the book and and that really helped because I really don't think I would have remembered otherwise I mean everything was just sort of a blur to me. It was just not sure of anything. It felt like I was i don't know but reborn. It felt like things were all brand new again, like I didn't know what what was going on, and i mean i I knew that I had a child, and I kept telling people that I had a little girl, which was kind of strange but yeah i did I did have a child when I was eighteen, but he wasn't with me anymore, and I wonder why that stuck in my memory and that I, I needed to tell people, or I don't know who I told. In this photo album, pictures and about my family and my friends, and it was just reacquainting myself with my own memories, as if I had lost them somewhere, which is is kind of uh, kind of frightening in a in a sense that we can actually lose our experiences and and have to be reminded of them, as if if as if we left them somewhere on a bus or something. I was a girlfriend in a coma. After the, the coma, I would, like I said, I was doing all the therapies. Getting close to Christmas, it was like December. And, you know, I was like, well, why am I still here? And, well, anyway, I don't know how they made it, the arrangements. Obviously, the doctors and therapists had, had made discussions about my condition and everything. And they just, uh, a week before Christmas, they said, okay, you can, you can go home. And I was like, yay, <laughs> you know, I can, I can get out of here. But really, I had no home at that point. Because the uh, apartment that I had been renting in Brockville, my very first apartment, well, I hadn't been paying the rent, and and the landlord had been, uh, you know, trying to claim that I that I needed to be paying all this money, and and while well, they made arrangements with with my family that you know she can't pay it, she's in the hospital, just recovering from a car accident, and I, I think they had to to go to court for that. I didn't have a home, and so I had to go to Indiana with with Bruce and Maureen, and that was. That was a big shock because as I said in another episode that I that I didn't want to go there because I was all kind of I was freaked out about the fact that you know they have guns down there in their high schools and and yeah I wanted to finish my last year and I kind of did I was this was the end of May so it was just a month before the end of my term so will I get the school to to grant me my my diploma because you know that's that one month I obviously couldn't finish it, and and well, that's exactly what happened. the The school granted me my diploma because it was one month, four weeks, what twenty school days or something. It yeah, it wasn't sufficient enough for me to not get the diploma. Um, like I could I could get it, and that's what exactly happened. So, so yeah, so I got the diploma, and uh, I was in the states with Bruce and Maureen, and that was an adjustment because, well, I I, I so I got my school diploma, and I was I was recovering, but. This is a whole new country. I don't know. I'm in the middle of corn country, the Midwest. You know, how do I integrate myself into the community? I don't know anybody except for a couple of my, my parents' friends that also came down from, from Canada because of work. Yeah, it was just, I was walking everywhere and, and I was just exploring that little tiny town that we were in, uh, Marion, Indiana. It was just walking and, and, Looking at the local shops, and, and I don't know, I was I was also trying to get involved in uh, some art classes, which which was really a surprise for me because I really didn't understand that I was an artist. I really didn't think that was possible. But I started going into some some local art classes and and helping out with some kids and and doing that, and then and then I also put myself into a British literature class at Indiana Wesleyan University just to see if I could get back into post secondary education and and so that went pretty good. I, I just read a bunch of books. So I was I was trying to get involved in all these things. And then I even I even got a learner's permit when I was down there. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna take on this driving thing. Really don't know how it's gonna work out, but I'll I'll see what it's like and, and I started driving and I it just really didn't <laughs> it really didn't seem right for me. It just was like, this is weird. I don't, I don't feel safe doing this. I'm going so fast. And I was just like, I'm not gonna do this. This is just, this is just too weird for me. So yeah, I just kind of let that, I don't know, evaporate, I guess. (laughs) I just didn't continue with that. And then another thing that was on my mind at this time was meeting my birth family. What I did continue with was uh, a relationship. I, this was during the time of the the internet the start of the internet or did i say this in my last episode i think i might have yeah but we can review it so yeah (laughs) the the guy that i started having a relationship with was actually a friend or sort of acquaintance and i didn't really know him that well and and so i just kind of got to know him on the chat rooms uh online because it was the start of the chat rooms in 1997 and we just kind of got to know each other on there and, and i visited him a couple times coming up to canada but it was just, you know what, we we needed to get to know each other a bit more. And I wanted to get back into school. I really thought, you know what, I need to get more educated with, with different classes. And I really wanted to do that post-secondary thing. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start applying. And and I'm going to come back up and I'm going to move in with Dante, that um, friend that I was telling you about, get, got reacquainted with. And I started dating who who looked just like the lead singer from Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. And this this was, you know, really exciting we got to know each other and we we moved into an apartment um because he was also going to school he wanted to go into journalism so so we went to a school uh near Toronto and he went to the school of Durham just east of of Toronto and so that's where we were living and I was just you know trying to trying to paint and trying to I wasn't really getting involved in the community I was just kind of I don't know. I was still doing a bit of outpatient therapy and trying to trying to figure out where I needed to go, and that and that was a big thing. I always seem to be trying to figure out what to do and trying to find my place and where do I fit in, and and things are all over the place. But that's kind of what the tangentialist is, and I will explain it. I I don't remember which episode I talked to you about that, but it's I think it's in the 30s, the 30s or 40s. Because uh, I've got, um, a hundred or so episodes planned out, outlined. So, so get ready. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about a lot of different things. Um, uh, not just my experiences. I'm going to get into just, uh, brain injury and bipolar and, and facts and, and studies and how it is integrated into society in, in different ways through, uh, the, uh, the entertainment business and, and, all the people that I, that I mentioned on one of my previous podcasts and sort of how they have integrated themselves into sort of the workforce and, and, and just living life, right? So yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's it. The insight for this podcast, podcast number eight, Girlfriend in a Coma, was sort of simple as it fits very well with what is sort of happening on, on the global front in health terms. We are all following the same news, so I won't go into it. One thing that stood out for me throughout uh, this entire time period when I was recovering was that I will get through this, that I'm not alone, and that I'm not sure where I'm going, but I will get there. I have a loose plan, and that is enough for now. Time seems to slow down or stop moving sometimes, and even it can at times be uneventful or damn right terrifying, but I thought to myself that I will continue with where I am headed, with my goals in mind, that I will stay safe, and I too will get where I need to this this podcast is not just about me uh, and my experiences with brain injury and being bipolar. It's also about you, the listeners, and, and what input you have in experiences you've had, possibly with disorders, illnesses, conditions, experiences you've had with other people that maybe also have similar incidents, I guess, that, that I've been explaining or, or sharing with you that, that maybe you were like, wait a minute, this is this is something I'm familiar with, something that I also recognize that maybe it could be a coping mechanism for, for somebody else that is also going through the similar sort of issues or, or experiences as, as I've been talking about. And if you would like to share your comments, questions, or concerns on mental health and how you relate to it, you can go to thetangentalistblog.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time on The Tangentalist. And this is what I will go into great deal with in the next episode as I take you down another rabbit hole of my heady days of my rebellious youth, tripped up by disorder. Thank you, glorious humanoids, for tuning in, folding up these anecdotes. I express them to you and I give them for you to enjoy and consider as I reflect and remodel and re-engage what the future has for me on these social platforms. See you next time on The Tangentalist.